Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Great afternoon to you and yours. How are you? Wherever you are and however you're tuning in, we greatly appreciate it. Today, Thursday, January 12th, the year 2023. We've got um, LSU football to talk about. We've got... Saints football to talk about. We've got LSU women's basketball to talk about. And we've got some NFL picks coming your way today. As my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite, sitting in that famed producer's chair. Without him, we wouldn't exist. He does what he needs to do and how he needs to do it. Makes this thing run professionally. So that's in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can also catch us on television as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. All right, well, the Pelicans ran up against the best team in the NBA from a records perspective, and that is the Boston Celtics. And the numbers that Celtics stars Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been putting up this season point to a duo playing even better than last season when Boston reached the NBA Finals. Brown scored a season-high 41 points and had 12 rebounds. Tatum added 31-10, and and the Celtics won their fourth straight game, holding off the Pels 125-114 to last night. It was the fifth career 40-point game for Brown. It was the 10th time in their careers that Brown and Tatum combined for 70 or more points. The Celtics are a low dead. Remember, they've got an interim coach in Joe Mazzullo, and they just keep on going. Malcolm Brogdon added 20. Al Horford had 14, making four threes, and the Celtics have won their last five home games. C.J. McCollum had 38 for New Orleans, his fifth consecutive game with at least 25 points. Uh, and he kept the Pels in the game throughout, going 6 of 12 from downtown, playing without Zion for the fifth consecutive game as he continues to deal with that strained right hamstring. And no Brandon Ingram either. Najee Marshall had at 18 points. Trey Murphy the third had 15 for New Orleans. The Pelicans now lost three of their last four. And the standings reflect as the Denver Nuggets won their fourth in a row. The Memphis Grizzlies have now won eight in a row. They're deadlocked at 28 and 13 atop the Western Conference. The Pels are in third 
uh, at 25 and 17, two full games ahead of the surprising Sacramento Kings, who were 22 and 18. Boston, uh, 30 wins in 42 games. They are um, they're just good, plain and simple. So, Pels go. Back on the road again. Next up, the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons were a surprise winner last night, and now they come in at 12 and 33. So stay tuned for that one. Women's basketball. Well, tonight, uh, Kim Mulkey's LSU Lady Tigers or Tigers will be on the road in Missouri, trying to get to 17 and Oh, Missouri is 14 and three overall three and one in Southeastern conference basketball. So um, we will talk um, about that ball game as well as we will take you to Columbia, South Carolina. I never saw this one coming. In fact, I was kind of like, what, what, what? Um, LSU freshman quarterback Walker Howard has entered the transfer portal. Um, I don't have any clue um, as to what transpired when uh, Walker Howard met with uh, Brian Kelly and probably Coach Denbrock and Coach Sloan. I have no clue. Um, Jaden Daniels is is back. Garrett Nussmeyer at the present time is back. They've got four-star quarterback signee Ricky Collins of Wood, Woodlawn High in Baton Rouge coming in for the spring as an early enrollee. Uh, LSU has a commitment from five-star class of 2024 quarterback Colin Hurley out of Jacksonville, Florida. I don't know. Um, remember, it wasn't long ago that his best friend, Jack Besh, who they played pitch and catch at St. Thomas More, he got into the transfer portal and he – is going to TCU. TCU's losing a quarterback. Uh, maybe Sonny Dykes gets Walker Howard. Anyway, um, quarterbacks are just, um, they, they make up so much of the portal. And uh, we shall see. We wish them nothing but the very best. Now it's, it's ultra, ultra important that Brian Kelly Keep Garrett Nussmeyer in the fold. If not, now you have got a serious problem when it comes to your quarterback room. So stay tuned for that. But I never saw it coming. I can promise you that. And um, just uh, you never know. I always thought Garrett Nussmeyer was going to be the one to leave, right? Because he's a guy that thinks he can start and start right away. Um but shows you how much I know. Uh, a few days ago, we said that former Ohio State cornerback J.K. Johnson had committed to LSU, but he had not publicly announced it. Um, well, that's made, that that's been made official. Uh, he removed all doubt by announcing on Twitter that he's committed to LSU. Uh, this is a good get for Brian Kelly and his staff. Um, Hopefully, he'll make an immediate impact in 2023. Uh, he's highly talented. He was number 50 overall recruit in the 2021 class. Um, 
played at Ohio State, remember? Um, he played for current LSU cornerback coach Robert Steeples when Steeples was the head coach at the Smet Jesuit High School in St. Louis. Uh, so Johnson will join Denver Harris, formerly from Texas A&M, Zy Alexander, formerly of Southeastern, and Deuce Chestnut, formerly of Syracuse, uh, for four transfer additions at a position that was once the team's biggest position of need. Now, with the addition of Johnson, LSU's 2023 recruiting class now contains 34 overall commitments, 25 high school signees, nine transfers. It's ranked number five in the nation, according to 247 Sports overall team rankings. And LSU's class of nine transfers ranks number four in the same rankings category. So uh, we shall see. We shall see. Um, time is coming for for LSU to see. And, and again, uh, significant for LSU and that quarterback room to um, to keep everything intact. The Raging Cajuns men's basketball team heads back out on the road for its next four games beginning tonight when it travels north to face ULM in a Sunbelt Conference contest at Fant Ewing Coliseum. Tip-off is set for 6.30. The Cajuns are 12-4 and four overall, 2-2 two and two in the Sunbelt. Remember, they opened up on the road. They went 0-2. They won back-to-back home games. The latest, a 78-70 win over, over defending Sunbelt Conference champion Georgia State. So keep that in mind. Gary Broadhead's Raging Cajun basketball team uh, is back in action tonight in the Cajun Dome. They will um, uh, try to get above 500 for the season as they will host South Alabama. The Cajuns are 8-8 eight and eight overall, 2-2 two and two in Sunbelt Conference play. They got a win on the road their last time out at Texas State, beat the Bobcats 71-51. That stopped a two-game losing streak. So good luck to uh, the Cajuns. It should be a good matchup because um, – South Alabama is not very good. If you look at the look at their record, they're four and eleven overall, zero and four in the Sun Belt Conference. The women will travel to Troy on Saturday. So our guest list, Matthew Bruni, will join us. We'll talk about Walker Howard. We'll talk about that quarterback room for LSU. Ralph Marlborough will join us. What's the latest on the Sean Payton watch? Everybody seems to be interested in him. Will he go somewhere? And can the Saints command a first-round pick and maybe go after a quarterback? We'll talk to Ralph about that. Patrick Wright will join us as he is with the LSU women's basketball team in Columbia, Missouri. We'll get a preview as the Tigers try to get to 17-0. and 0. They are the fifth-ranked team in women's college basketball. And then it's a Thursday, and we've got uh, NFL playoff games coming, baby. And Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will give us all the information we need to make an uh, educated um, investment in these games. So uh, stay tuned. Should be a fun, fun day for all. Um, if you didn't get what you wanted from Santa, no worries. We have the gifts you really want in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, You'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes. How about a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse? How about a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? Both at um, 
the Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. We also now have $40 gift cards to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. You can only score these prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. All right. Walker Howard out the door. Why? What happened? We'll try and answer those questions when we return to the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 17 minutes after the hour. Let's get this show on the road with the news that Walker Howard entered the transfer portal. Xavier Carter entered, enters the uh, transfer portal. So things happening around LSU. Nobody knows more than our good friend from at BengalTigerOn3.com. And that's our good buddy, Matthew Bruni. Matthew, thanks for the time. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, Jordy. Uh, how are you? How's everything I'm- going? Uh, everything's good. I, I, boy, I tell you what, I never saw that one coming. What, what, what happened in your opinion? Uh, take me through it. Season ends. Walker Howard goes. I guess he has a meeting with uh, the Brain Trust at LSU, and decisions are made. What are you? What are you hearing? Yeah, um, you know that that conversation with the coaching staff uh, obviously happened. Uh, there, there have been plenty of conversations, obviously, throughout the off season. I think. For the most part, LSU thought he would probably be staying, and then I think um, as things continue to unfold, um, he looked at his options out there, and you know, for, I mean, his, his one of his best friends, Jack Besh, goes to TCU. Obviously, TCU is going to need a quarterback, and yeah. you know, there's just options out there with that. Maybe he could go and potentially start right away instead of having to wait. Um, I think we talked about it over the past few months or the past couple months. Really, it's been like. All right. Once if Jaden returns, Garrett Nussmeyer will went to the portal and go, and then Walker Howard will step up the ladder and go from there. But Garrett Nussmeyer has not yet, obviously, shown any interest in uh, entering the portal yet. Maybe, maybe he will see after the spring season. But you know, with Daniels and then potentially Nussmeyer staying, that puts him third still. And there's options out there. Maybe he can start. That means to me. Um... It is, I tell you what, you better figure out a way to keep Garrett Nussmeyer. If not, man, now you're now the strength of your team becomes your biggest weakness as far as depth is concerned. Yeah, from from what I understand, um, keeping Garrett Nussmeyer is now pretty much the top priority yes. of this offensive coaching staff and Brian Kelly, I think. I think that's what all of this hinges on. Um, like I said, I don't believe that they you know went into this whole offseason saying okay walker's gonna leave and garrett's gonna stay i think there was some indecision there but now that walker has left i think there is an urgency to keep garrett nussmeyer and that they're gonna really really try hard to keep him and that probably means you have a very open competition going into spring and summer and you know you tell him hey we're even if it doesn't work out you know you're still You'll still get snaps. You know, you're one play away from starting. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
stay tuned. I don't think it's over with yet. I, I just don't. So that was a that was kind of a surprise uh, to me. Um, I mentioned there was um, defensive player. I think it's Xavier Carter. Is that correct? And under the portal as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. Is that uh, earth shattering? Not really. Um, I think uh, five-star defensive end Deshaun Womack can come in and play the jack position really well. That's where Xavier Carter was. He got some run in the bowl game uh, at jack, and he looked pretty pretty good. But we always knew he was a good athlete. It's just kind of putting it all together as okay. a pass rusher. So um, I don't think he would have started next year. They added uh, Oregon uh, defensive end uh, Braden Swenson, who I think will get um, a lot of run at that jack position as well, along with Womack. So they kind of are set there, so they're not really too worried about losing Xavier Carter. Um, 13 early enrollees from this um, 2023 early signing class. Um, there'll be opportunities. Look, LSU started four freshmen a year ago. Do you see any players that uh, you believe can have an immediate impact, such as um, – uh, the two offensive linemen, the tight end, and uh, Mr. Perkins uh, from last year? Yeah, I think um, the first one, the, the most obvious one, is like I said, Deshaun Womack at Jack. Yeah. I mean, kind of a logical replacement for B.J. Ojolari. But even if you look past there, um, as we're just looking at the early enrollees, that doesn't include Zaylin Turd from um, Monroe, um, who's obviously – top-rated player in this class. Um, mm-hmm. Dalen Turtle will be really good in competing for offensive line snaps. But just the early enrollees, uh, Jalen Brown, receiver out of Miami, very, very fast, very good player, had a really good All-American week last week. Uh, I expect him to step in and be able to compete with um, guys behind Malik and uh, Brian Thomas. Uh, linebacker Whit Weeks was all the talk, really, last week at the All-American practices and game. Really? I mean, he's Looked really good. Brother of West Weeks, linebacker mm-hmm. um, out of Georgia. So uh, there's an expectation that Whit Weeks can step in, especially with Demario Tolan leaving. Um, you know, Whit Weeks could step in and be, you know, one of the better back- backup linebackers this team has. Um, then there's some other names in here. You know, you go tight end, there's Jackson McGohan and uh, Mac Markway. Um, you know, they've kind of replenished that tight end position with this class. And then at defensive back, I'm interested in the spring to see how uh, JV and Toviano looks, the, the high yeah. four-star um, out of Dallas, um, uh, Mansfield. That was a big gift for them late in the cycle, and uh, he'll be early in rolling as well. Hey, they hit the portal in the secondary with J.K. Johnson from Ohio State, Devin Harris of Texas A&M, Zy Alexander, Southeastern, Deuce Chestnut, Syracuse. Those are some veteran players um, uh, in a, at, at it was no question or doubt the team's biggest position of need. I'm curious to see just how effective they will be as golly, there's no such thing as developing players as from freshman to sophomore to junior anymore. It seems like it's just like, okay, we, we lost some, we got to go to other schools and get them and how you get that chemistry working is so important. So that's another one of those question marks. Yeah, it it is a little concerning because, Last year, it was obviously a question mark coming in with Bernard Converse and Gardner and, you know, Seven Banks and so on and so forth. Um, And it honestly worked out about as well as you could ask with that group. Um, Now, I have questions. 
can you repeat that year after year? You know, will there be a year where it just doesn't mesh, where players don't pan out, where something doesn't go wrong or doesn't go right, and you don't have as much depth to to replace it? So, um, but it is the position that they're in. It's the hand they were dealt last year when they had no corners, and then this year, um, you know, Gardner has a good year, goes to the draft. Bernard Converse's eligibility, and uh, uh, you know, a freshman like Jalen Davis Robinson enters the portal. So. They're back to square one. I think they got a lot of guys, and the difference is this year, some of those guys are uh, younger. J.K. Johnson and mm-hmm. Deuce Chestnut are both going into their third years. Um, so in theory, they could go to the draft, but I think they're more four-year guys. And then Zion uh, Alexander as well going into his third year. So a little bit younger, um, and we'll see. But there's a lot of talent um, that they did add at corner. Matthew Bernie covers LSU for at Bengal Tiger on three. So uh, there's LSU football. They're going to be ranked in the top 10 preseason. They may be, may even be top five in some places. Not that that means a hill of beans, but it's kind of fun yeah. to talk about. Yeah, that, that, that'll be fun to talk about. I mean, I expected them to be top 10. Um, you have uh, every outlet pretty much putting out their way too early top 25. Right, the the minute the championship game ended, and yeah. most of them had LSU somewhere in the four to eight range, and you know I think that's pretty fair considering how much they return and how much we know about this team going into next year. So um, the interesting thing is uh, Florida State's right there with them in all these uh, in all these rankings. So that sets up for a very fun yeah, uh, week that, one. Makes that opening game a really really significant uh, of course LSU's used to the where they'll play because they just put a whooping on Wake Forest uh, there but of course uh, so did um, Florida State as they beat Oklahoma and at that same venue so mm-hmm. it'll be very very interesting to say the least um, f- keeping Nussmeyer in the fold becomes so important now for uh, Brian Kelly and his staff hey um more the <laughs> LSU basketball, wow. They, they can't throw it in the ocean, and they've got four games ahead of them that, whoo, even if they were really good, would be hard <laughs> to win those. Yeah, man, they they need you and me out there at the three-point yeah. line, it looks like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this, these next four games of uh, no particular order, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and Arkansas, uh, that's four ranked teams, four teams in the top – 15, 20, I mean, very, very good teams. It's That's what yeah. made the Florida loss so painful, and that's why I really thought they would win that game. Um, obviously, Cam Hayes being out for that game hurt, but still, you want to find a way to get that one done, to get to 2-2, two and two, and then enter this gauntlet of a four-game stretch. And then after this four-game stretch, they have Texas Tech, who, you know, maybe isn't as good this year, but still, that's a tough defensive team. And yeah. then yeah. Missouri and Alabama coming after that. So, seven games in a row where they're going to be really, really challenged here. Missouri's a lot better than I think uh, a lot of people realize. <laughs> they can get it and go. Uh, and Alabama's yeah. just uh, – Alabama went into Arkansas and won, won last yeah. night. So uh, that, that just goes to show you. So we shall see. Uh, Kim Mulkey's got it going. Uh, they'll get to, in all likelihood, unless something drastic happens, they'll get to 17-0 and tonight. Looks like they're going to go all the way until they, they have to meet up with South Carolina, and that could be a battle of unbeaten teams. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're, they're a lot of fun. Like you said, they play, they play Missouri tonight. Uh, the only thing, the only games between now and South Carolina on February 12th that 
maybe could present problems would be Arkansas. I think that's next week, even though they've already beat Arkansas by 24. I think Arkansas is right. a, a capable team. Um, and then they got Tennessee on January 30th. At, both of those games are at home, though, and I think they'll be, you know, they should be fine in them, but those are the two that I would say yeah. could give them problems. But, yeah, that South Carolina game, that could be like one versus three or four, you know, when, yeah. when undefeated teams. Yeah, that would be fun. All right, uh, Walker Howard, we wish you nothing but the best. That really surprised me. Uh, but we shall see. It's not It's not over yet. We'll see what happens and what unfolds. Garrett Nussmeyer, mm-hmm. top priority. Uh, Matthew Bruni, you're our top priority for uh, BengalTigerOn3.com. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Keep up the great work. Yep, thanks, Jordy. You're the best. All right, we'll take a uh, before we take a time out here. Let's uh, let's do. Oh, by the way, I just got this. Um, first year standouts Will Campbell and Harold Perkins have been named to the Football Writers Association of America Freshman All American team. That was announced today. Campbell uh, and Perkins. Campbell started 13 games at left tackle, and we know all about that. Perkins um, did his job as well. So they join um, from 2021. Mason Smith was a Freshman All-American in 2020, it was Kayshawn Booty and Eli Ricks, both gone now. 2019, Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, 2017, Greedy Williams. 2015, Will Clapp. 2014, Leonard Fournette. 2011, how about the punter Brad Wing? 2010, Tyron Matthew, and on and on and on. Even goes back to 2002, Andrew Whitworth. So you look at the list. Whitworth, LaRon Landry, NFL. Uh, Matthew, NFL. Wing had a stint in the NFL. Fournette still playing. Will Clapp, we'll see. Greedy's in there. Stingley's in there. Um, yeah, so looks like a great future for Will Campbell, Harold Perkins. Tantum out to LSU's success next year will be if they can keep that going and get a couple more freshmen in there uh, to play to that level and to that uh, that that standard. So stick around for that. We shall see. They got another great recruiting class, so we'll we'll find out all about that as the time unfolds. Um, let's see here. Get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume, enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the adult hydration station. A party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time, run all or some or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Gras Barathon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now, latrail.org. The latest on Sean Payton, the latest on the New Orleans Saints. When we return, Ralph Marlborough joins us next here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. All right, welcome back. 35 minutes after the hour on this uh, Thursday, January 12th. Uh, NFL teams getting ready for the playoffs. Those that aren't are getting ready for the NFL draft. Chicago with the number one pick. Then the next two teams both looking for 
a new head coach. The Houston Texans at number two, the Arizona Cardinals at number three. What's the latest on the Sean Payton coaching watch, and what can the Saints get if he goes somewhere? So I thought, let's not uh, waste around the beat around the bush. Let's go to the host of the best uh, Saints podcast on earth with the saints happy hour the very enigmatic one mr ralph marlborough mm-hmm. ralph happy new year buddy how are you happy new year jordy uh, i'm so excited for the sean payton coaching carousel like i keep thinking you know it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard for saints because we gotta watch and root for tampa on monday like we gotta do it we gotta root for Bray. i know it i know it's gonna be painful Get your favorite alcohol and just drink your way through it. We need Tampa to win so Jerry Jones can fire Mike McCarthy on the field like Arizona State did to Herm Edwards. That's what we need. We need this Sean Payton sweetie. We need it to ramp up. We need to throw some gasoline on it, get it really cooking. Uh, so you got to root for Tampa on Monday. I know, I know it hurts, but we got to do it. Um. Well, if if that is the case and that happens, um, I mean, Dallas is a much better destination than the Texans and the Cardinals. Those are dysfunctional teams. I want them to go to the Texans with that second pick overall or the Cardinals at number three. That's where I want him to go. I know you want more drama in there, but Saints need some help. They need a quarterback. Well, here's here's my theory. Here's my theory. If, if Dallas loses on Monday, and the Texans are serious about Sean Payton. Then you have the Texas stare down for the team, and you have Jerry, who will be like, I've been lusting for Sean Payton for like 10 years. I'm 77. Yep. I got to get this guy in. I got to get another Lombardi before I go to meet my maker, right? So he wants Sean Payton. And then you got the Texans, who Cal McNair, he's like Fredo. He walks around, and he's like, I'm smart. I can handle things. I'm not the dumb son like everybody thinks I am. So he'll want Sean Payton to like, get the whole city of Houston excited and make the Texans legitimate. I think if you have both of those teams fighting each other for Sean Payton, I just think it drives the price up incredibly. And I think, yeah. I don't think you get the, the second pick from the Texans, Shorty, but I think you could get 12. I think you could okay. maybe get their second round pick number 34 and okay. maybe something else. Like I think you just, you got to get the price through the roof because otherwise if you don't have Dallas, and the Texans aren't really interested. They want to interview. Then you're left with, like, Denver and Arizona. And, I mean, I think the Saints will end up getting a first-round pick for him. But, like, if it's Denver and it's, like, you know, it's San Francisco's pick and it's, like, 28, and then you get a third-round pick and you get a third-round pick in 2024, I mean, that's great. It's nice. But, like, I want the – I'm like you. I need the, I need the whole thing. So I got to – like, I got to play it out and I got to have these teams going crazy for Sean Payton. And it starts with the cow. If the Cowboys don't lose Monday, I think the value of what we're going to get is going to like drop by That's a lot. True. It's like a, yeah. it's like a, it's like a dot com stock, right? You know, yeah. it's up and then it's down. I agree. That makes that makes great sense. That's why I got you, man. I, I got guests that are smarter than me. So absolutely, I am with you. Saints need a quarterback. I personally want to keep Andy Dalton. I think he's really good as a backup. But you need a yeah. quarterback that plays to win, not a quarterback that plays not to lose. With the Saints being over the cap and having no draft pick, I mean, wh- who's a who's a, a legitimate candidate to come in here and be a be a good quarterback it gets it gets it gets 
it gets really murky in free agency, right? Because you have all these guys that are like Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's like, eh, you know, or like David Carr. Well, David Carr, he's good, but like at what price, right, Jordy? Like if you told me, hey, right. the, Saints, the, the Raiders cut David Carr and they signed him and they're paying him $20 million in three years, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. But like, you know, some team's going to get really dumb. Like the commander, the commanders, or the Colts, and they're going to pay David Carr some outrageous amount of money. And then it's like Kirk Cousins, right? Kirk Cousins is like the ultimate like quarterback, where like you know he's never going to win you anything, but you're really scared that if you get rid of him, you probably aren't going to get something as good as him. Like David Carr is like the AFC version of that. But yeah. that's why I, that's why I think the Saints. And I'm going to make this prediction to you, and you can you can tape it, and you can play it back for me, and make fun of me later. But I really believe, if the Saints are fortunate enough to get our dream scenario for Sean Payton, and they get the third pick for Arizona, or even if they get the twelfth pick for the Texans, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if the Saints get the twelfth pick for the Texans, they will do whatever it takes to get up and get one of those two quarterbacks. Because they look at it, they were willing, they were willing to give up everything for Deshaun Watson, and I wouldn't even get to all his grossness off the field. They wouldn't even right. three firsts for him. So if you're the Saints, if you're sitting there, you get twelve pick for the Texans, right? And the Bears are like, hey, this pick, it's open for business. And and you're the Saints, and you're like, we love Bryce Young, or we love C.J. Stroud, and you're willing to give up three firsts for Deshaun Watson. Like, why wouldn't you do it for Bryce Young? Why wouldn't you do it for C.J. C.J. Stroud? So I'm telling mm-hmm. you, the Saints get in the, a top 15 pick in the first round for Sean Payton, book it, they'll be drafting a quarterback in the top two probably with Chicago because there is no price they won't pay if they believe in one of these quarterbacks. So I think okay. that's why I'm with you. Like I, 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 want, I want one of those top 15 picks because if you don't have a quarterback, you're like, they're not going anywhere. Like, and yeah. I know it's risky. I know. Like if you give up a ton for C.J. Stroud, or Bryce Young, who's great but kind of small. Like, it's super risky. But, like, if you don't have a quarterback, you're just going to be running on the treadmill, not going anywhere. Drew Brees was kind of strong, but what made Drew Brees so good was he was accurate, and Bryce Young's accurate, and he can move around a little. I I really like him, but, hey, I don't know. I guess guess the next big question is, is – Whoever that quarterback may be, is Pete Carmichael going to be the guy calling the plays for him? Or are they going to make him the sacrificial lamb and get somebody else in here? Well, I mean, the thing is with, with Pete Carmichael, you got to remember, like, he didn't really want the job, right? The Saints kind of circled back to him, and he was kind of like the fallback option. The one thing I'll say about Pete Carmichael is I don't think he's going to be back. But also, Jordy, you got to remember, like, he's been with the Saints since 2006. So I think there is a with the Saints organization that how they comport themselves. I do think there's a there's an element here of we're just not going to kick Pete to the curb after the season. Like he's been here too long, and whatever mm-hmm. they decide to do do with him when they decide to do it, like I think it'll be nice and it'll be you know with some mutual parting of the ways and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm going to be honest, like it doesn't worry me now that they haven't made a move, Jordy, but like. Once these teams start, like, once, you know, they have, what, five openings, once one or two teams make a high, just hire the coach and start filling out a staff, like, Dennis Allen's got to make a decision. You got to get a person in place. Like, that's what I feel like last year kind of happened. Like, 
they waited so long to hire Dennis Allen. You know, Sean Payton took a while to retire. Like, everything right. was kind of decided in, like, he's yep. kind of like, you know, when you go on Christmas and it's Walmart and you're shopping for a, you're shopping for a toy on Christmas Eve, man, them aisles are empty. You don't, yep. <laughs> you don't have to get a lot of choices. So, like, the Saints kind of, like, they need to make that decision. I would, I would say if that decision on Pete Carmichael isn't made before at least one team fills its vacancy, as a Saints fan, I'm going to be like, what are you doing, Saints? And I'm yeah. going to start to be concerned. Concerned is the polite word. I, I won't use the other four-letter word. You see? You see, Ralph, that just makes too much sense, which tells me it will go in the opposite direction uh, because (laughs) it just makes too much sense. I agree with you totally. Um, Michael Thomas, is is he going to ever play for the Saints or can they get anything of value for him? No, I think I, and it's, that was, you know, it kind of happened like, right, like Saturday morning, they announced that like they had redone his deal and like it becomes guaranteed on like third day of the league year. And it made me sad, Jordy, because I think he's done, like, I think his career with the Saints is over and they're going to move along. And I wanted him to to give it another year just because Dennis Allen after the year was like, you know what we need? We need a receiver that can make contested catches on third and short. And I'm like, that's Michael Thomas. But at yep. the same time, I'm like, you're going into year three where the guy hasn't played. So, like, the Saints are moving on. But, Jordy, I mean, coming off of 2019, after they had given the extension, after he had the, the all-time great season, I mean, not only did he look like he was on a fast track to become the Saints' all-time leading receiver and, and put those numbers in the stratosphere and out of reach for anyone, he looked like he was on a path to Canton. And three years later... It's completely over, and the thing that's most shocking to me is on our podcast when we would debate, you know, all the young players they had, Kamara and Ramtech and Marcus Williams and Michael Thomas and all of them, like, who do you pay? You can't pay them all. Who do you pay? The consensus on the podcast, and for me, was Michael Thomas is the safest one to pay of all of them because he's so strong, like, even if his speed goes away, he'll age gracefully. If you give an extension to any of them, he's going to be the safest one. Yeah. And it just didn't work out that way because it's football. But it's it's really it's really. I mean, you know, Saints history too. I mean, I would say for there's never been a fall from a guy who looked like he was on the fast track to Canton, and it's just over. Yes. And it, yes. I can't remember a Saints player that that is anywhere no. close to that. No one, no one even close to it. I can't. Uh, Ralph Marlboro with us on the more comical side of things. I can't wait to see what Saints fans would do if Buffalo met Kansas City in the AFC Championship game because the NFL announced today that that game would take place in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I can't wait to see what Saints fans would do if that happened. Well, Jordy, I mean, Atlanta really is the perfect stadium for it because there's no other stadium in the NFL that is more equipped to handle visiting fans than <laughs> the Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. So, I mean, it really is the per- it is the perfect destination. Um, and they know how to pump in crowd noise if one of them needs it. I mean, it's the, per- it's the perfect destination. I have, I have no complaints. I know people wanted it to be in the, in the New Orleans. But really, Atlanta, it's the perfect, perfect place. They know, how to, they know how to treat visiting fans. Well, that would be great. Uh, yeah. Ralph Marlboro with us. What else is happening? I mean, can we stop getting cars vandalized? Dude, what the heck? 
I have to say, I have to say, you know, um, I, you know, I have a lot of family with Saints tickets. I have Saints tickets, and I try to get back as, as often as I can. And, and I'll say this, like, I have had more people tell me they're thinking of dropping the tickets, and it's not because the Saints are losing. It's no. It's not because of Dennis Allen. It's because of the break-ins. And listen, the Saints, you know, I call it Gail Benson Enterprises. It really is. She owns the Pelicans. She owns the Saints. Like, you can't operate a business in New Orleans where people are like, I'm going to spend all this money to go to the Saints game. I'm going to spend all this money to go to the Pelicans game. And I'm going to come out, and I'm not going to, I'm going to worry while I'm at the game that my car's going to get broken into. Like, yep. The Saints are not fooling around when they say, like, they're on the NFL and NBA's radar. Like, that is horrible for business. And, look, Jordy, I don't have the solution. I just know when you're the Saints and when you're the Pelicans, in New Orleans market that's soft and it's kind of challenging even when they win, right? You can't have a customer base that one of the considerations is I'm not going to go to the game because I'm worried about my car getting broken into. You can't, like, you can't have it. And no. like, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think a bigger and bigger story if it doesn't get fixed. I don't have a solution. I'm not a politician, obviously, but I'm just telling you, like, it's not, it's not a good look. I feel it's going to get bigger and bigger and, and worse and worse as a news story around the country because the Saints and the Pelicans just can't, they can't have it. They, it, it, it it's a, it's a only, direct assault to their business model. Not only them, we'll never get a Super Bowl again. We'll never get a Final Four again. Those, mm-hmm. those, those days are over if this continues. So not only does it affect the Saints' bottom line and the Pelicans, mm-hmm. but the city as a as a tourist attraction, it affects everything. Anyway, yeah, I think the people that own these parking lots that make a fortune, that just own the concrete and they just go ahead and park it. They got to they got to do something. They got to have they've got to supply the the task force, the, the 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 people to protect those areas when there are events. I think that's mm-hmm. the only uh, that's the only solution. Um, but man, it's it's nasty down there. It really is. I hate to say it because uh, I love going there. It's my hometown. But anyway, all right, Ralph. I think we covered everything from politics to Sean Payton to whatever. But let's go. So we got to pull for Tampa Bay to beat Dallas so that Jerry Jones goes uh, supersonic and the the bid for Sean Payton <laughs> goes through the roof. That's it. And one other thing you need you need Michigan to pay John. Jim Harbaugh and get him out of circulation for the NFL because I think teams can look at it and possibility and be, hey, Jim Harbaugh, he hasn't won a Super Bowl, but he's in that Sean Payton class of coach winning percentage wise. Yeah. If, if Jim Harbaugh, if he goes back to Michigan, it increases the price for Sean Payton. You need all these things to happen, but I think you're right. It starts Monday night, got to root for Tom Brady. And I listen, I, I'm not going to even pretend that that's fun. Watch. I'm not even going to pretend that that's fun. But sometimes, Jordy, you got to make yeah. sacrifices. You got to do painful things to get what you want on the other side. We just got to we just got to grin it, bear it, fight through it on Monday. It'll be okay. We'll laugh. We'll laugh our way through it. Uh, I think we I, I think we can survive one more Brady win. I'll give you something to do. Um, if you look <laughs> at McCarthy's record, you look at Sean Payton's record. They're like almost identical, they and they are. both they super. They're both identical. It's amazing, and here Sean Payton is the is the the guy riding on the horse to save everything, and McCarthy's right. the guy that everybody dumps on. 
if McCarthy, if he, if he knew how to manage the clock better, yes. he would yes. be like a lock for Canton. I'm serious. Yes. Like if he was just, if he was just better at managing the clock and like managing in-game situations, God. we would be like that dude's a lock for Canton because he's probably he probably have like two more Lombardi trophies. But he's so terrible in game. Like we didn't even consider him in the same stratosphere as Sean Payton. But it's really just one flaw, right? He can't. He can't manage the clock. Yep. All right, Ralph. Thank you. I greatly appreciate. it. I just want to see McCarthy on one sideline and Les Miles on the other, and the game go down to the wire and see who screws up the clock more. Goodbye, Ralph. Thank you, man. Goodbye, Jordy. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one. Stay with us. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? When you wash your hair, you know, I work on my hair a long time, and you can kiss my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh-huh. Uh, tune in tonight as the undefeated LSU women's basketball team uh, is in Missouri to take on the Tigers in SEC action. Pre-game begins at 5.30. Tip is set for 6 o'clock. You can listen to all the action right here. The number five ranked team in the country on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. When you do, you will um, hear our guest as we come back from the top of the hour break to start off our number to Patrick Wright in Columbia to preview the Tigers and the Tigers in women's hoop. Our number two straight ahead, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the World Series champion Houston Astros. And tonight, the 16-0 fifth-ranked team undefeated LSU Lady Tigers. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. Um, hour number one, we talked a lot about football, LSU football. Walker Howard going to the transfer portal. We got the latest info on uh, Sean Payton and some potential places to go. We'll have NFL picks coming up in this hour, but we start off this hour as James Mesh is back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. Uh, we're streaming all over the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. We're also simulcasting the Acadiana area on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. I told you last hour, you can listen uh, tonight, 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock tip, as uh, Kim Mulkey's LSU Tigers are on the road in Missouri to try to get to 17-0. They're the fifth-ranked team in the country. And when you turn on the radio to Tonight on the game, you'll listen to the um, the great voice of 
LSU women's basketball, Patrick Wright, who joins us now in Columbia, Missouri. Patrick, how's the weather there, big guy? How are you? Man, I'm good. It is cold here. You know, we we left 80 degrees in Baton Rouge yesterday. I got up here. It is, it's 35 and gray and cloudy, but it, at least it's not snowing. The first time we came up here when Missouri came into the league in 2013, yeah. there was 18 inches of snow. We had to postpone the game till the next day, and it left all of us asking, why in the world did we let these people in the <laughs> league? But it's at least it's not snowing today, so we got that going for us. I remember that. Um, has this team – I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure things out. Um, have they played their best basketball yet? What was their best game they've played so far this year, in, in your opinion? Well, um, Oregon State, when we were down in Maui, it was the first Power 5 team that we faced and absolutely dismantled them offensively and defensively. Um, you know, I just actually got finished visiting with Coach Mulkey, you know, recording our pregame interview a little while ago, and we were kind of talking about, you know, this, this team is not playing defensively and rebounding. It is playing about as well as you can play offensively. Still, I think, getting a little bit adjusted to the, the speed and, and the, you know, just the, the better athleticism of the SEC than, than some of the non-conference teams we faced. Uh, and even though we faced a couple of bottom-level teams in the SEC, you know, a bottom-level SEC team is still going to give you more athletically than, than some of the teams that were on our schedule. Um, yeah. Offensively, we're only, and I say only, and I use that word kind of, you know, generously. We're only averaging 74 and a half points a game in four league games where we were averaging <laughs> over 90, you know, in non-league games coming in. Um, team field goal shooting in the four SEC games are only shooting about 41%. We were at 52% before. So the offense is not as efficient. We got a couple of shooters who are not shooting it as well. Uh, as they were, but Jordy, you know how shooters are. They're going to shoot it until they come out of the slump, and we got a couple who are going to going to do that here pretty soon. Um, but when, as Coach says, and all good coaches say, even if you're not shooting the ball well, you can always show up and play good defense and rebound the ball. In yeah. SEC play, we're holding opponents to 48 points, and we are plus 26 rebounding. So that can help you overcome your offense not being quite where you want it to be. Uh, Angel Reese, uh, we've talked about her before. She's uh, had a double-double in every game this season. She's won four SEC Player of the Week honors. She scored 26, grabbed an LSU record, 28 rebounds last Thursday. Then on Sunday at Kentucky, she had 26 and 13. But I want to talk about um, a girl that I think could be become, could become great. And I, she's the closest thing I've seen to the girl that they're going to unveil a statue on yeah. Sunday. And that is, of course, Simone Augustus. And I'm talking about Flaugé Johnson. I think she's terrific. I think she can do everything. And she just keeps getting better and better. She's your ticket. Kim doesn't want to talk about it, but she's your ticket to the Final Four, I think, this year. Talk about Flaugé Johnson and what do you see in her? Well, and you know, we got we got glimpses of it in the pre-conference schedule. You know, when you when you get freshmen, no matter how talented they are, you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes, as far as some things they may not be as good at, or some things they right. might struggle with. Foul trouble was an early issue for her. I think you and I even talked about it maybe the last time I came on with you that you know she would get a couple of quick fouls and that would kind of kind of derail her until the second half. So she seemed to have overcome that. Um, 
And then, you know, she would make some some questionable decisions here or there. You know, Coach said, you know, she's playing like a freshman. Then she kind of got over that. And then you wonder, well, what what's she going to do in SEC play? Because that's when really, you know, you right. you kind of kind of tell what you're going to get. Well, well, in SEC play, in four games, she's averaging 18 and a half. She's shooting 50 percent from the floor. <laughs> she's averaging eight rebounds, and mm. she's got eight steals in four games. All of those numbers are well above her non-conference uh, averages when the competition wasn't as strong. And mm-hmm. she literally can. There's not anything she can't do. Uh, she will take a ball 94 feet on a rebound and go lay it in. If there's two people in front of her in the basket, it doesn't matter. She's going to find a way to get there anyway. If there's an open mm-hmm. teammate, she'll find the open teammate. And we've kind of watched her grow up, you know, these last four games in league play to above and beyond, I think, what we thought her, you know, her, her ceiling was going to be for the year. It's, it's been even better than that. And, and you're right. You know, you've, you've got a, an Angel Reese who's a superstar and is going to be an All-American again. You know, kind of kind of like the Batman and Robin thing. You need a Robin, and Johnson yeah. is, is certainly starting to, to look like Robin right now as part of that super duo. You didn't call for a choke or laugh when I said she's the closest thing to Simone Augustus that I've seen. Is that, is that, is that true in your mind? Well, I, their games are a little bit different, but not a ton. You know, Simone had that that deadly, you know, mid-range jumper. Flaugé's got that, not quite as good, but but pretty close to it. Yeah. But I think um, athletically, I, I, I would say Flaugé might be slightly the better athlete, you know, as okay. far as, you know, speed and, and things she can do with the basketball. Um, so there, it's not a, not a bad comparison at all. You know, you, you hate to, to put that on a freshman, to right. put that on, but, but, the, but the comparison is there. Um, and I think her mid-range game is even going to get better. I mean, she's just a little inconsistent with it right now. But I think in, in some other ways, she's a little bit better. She's a little bit better three-point shooter. Simone didn't really develop that until her last season here. Um, and she rebounds well. I mean, and you know what I didn't mention? She defends exceptionally well. Her defense has gotten better and better as the season goes on. And now they ask her to get out and guard You know, sometimes the opponent's best perimeter player and, and right. shut her down. And she's done a good job at that, too. How's Alexis Morris doing? She, I know she was a little bit under the weather um, last game. How's she doing? And what, uh, what, what? How's her? How's her feel today? Well, she looks uh, a lot better. She's bouncing around a lot better. She, yeah, I, you know, watching her in the Kentucky game, I was sitting across from the bench, and every time I looked up, you know, you could just tell if she was miserable. You know, she, she yeah. was was in, on the bench with her hoodie on and just kind of. You know, and then she she begged to come back in the game late, and coach put her in, said she probably shouldn't have because she wasn't really great. Um, she didn't practice a couple days this week. She will not start tonight, but she will come off the bench and is, and should play a good amount of minutes. Uh, last year, Poe, our, our transfer from JUCO, is going to get the start, but okay. uh, I don't read anything into that. Morris is going to come off the bench, and she's going to play a lot of minutes. But that's kind of uh, Poa got the kind of the starter reps the first couple of days of practice this week, and that's kind of where they're going to stay with it. But I think she's gonna, she's going to be fine. Patrick Wright, the voice of LSU women's basketball, with us. I've been in the SEC. I played in the SEC. Everybody thinks this is takes this game for granted. I don't. You go on the road, strange things can happen. Missouri's a really good shooting team, and they're coming off a game where they lost by 22, and they shot 29 percent from the field. They're the fifth best shooting team in the league. They're the third, second best shooting team from from behind the arc something tells me they're going to be uh, getting back to form so LSU better be ready well you know and and 
we coach and I were just talking about this as well. You, Missouri just had an awful shooting game against Arkansas. For whatever reason, Arkansas has their number. They've lost four in a row to Arkansas. None of them have been close. Um, they're a team that shoots the three. They like to drive in and kick it out. Um, they had on their team this year, they've got two kids who last year combined to hit uh, 13 threes against LSU. Um, LSU won the game against them in overtime last year. But I think LSU has a better, you know, the only player who played against them last year who still hears Alexis Morris, I think LSU is better equipped to, to defend them on the perimeter this year. Um, with some of their athleticism, and that they just simply didn't have last year. But the thing to watch about with Missouri, last year they beat South Carolina when South Carolina was ranked number one, beat them in That's overtime right. on a buzzer beater. So, yeah. And it's a lot of those same kids are here this year. So uh, Coach said forget about the 22-point loss to Arkansas. That's not who Missouri is. She expects they're going to get a, a better shooting effort out of that. They started the game two for 28 from the floor. Uh, wow. I don't think, wow. you know, as, as well as LSU's playing on defense, I don't think that's going to happen. Again, Jordy, were you ever two for 28 from the floor? Never, ever. No, but you would have shot that 29th one, would 28, you? but not two. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But their <laughs> coach says, do, do not – think that because they didn't play well Sunday that they won't play well here tonight. They absolutely will, I think. Not only did they beat South Carolina a year ago, but I remember them coming to Baton Rouge. I think it was an overtime game. It was. Um, and uh, Missouri was gonna, drove to the buck and took a layup to to try and tie it. I think uh, Morris blocked the shot, as I recall. And LSU that held on to win by two. So not going to be easy. No, and it's and the coach said the last thing she told him at practice today she said the thing that can get you beat is if we go into halftime and they've hit seven threes and we go out in the second half and they've hit seven threes you know for a total of fourteen or some crazy number that's what can get LSU beat. One other yeah. quick thing, Jordy, LSU's been turning the ball over a lot on offense, a lot of unforced stuff. Missouri only forces about twelve a game. So LSU, this can't be a game where they go out and turn it over 20 times. Uh, this, yeah. They're not a team that's going to pressure us. LSU has got to take care of business on offense and hold on to the basketball. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Sunday with the Simone Augustus unveiling yeah. of a statue at about 1245 prior to their, their game on Sunday against Auburn, I believe. Um, when I yeah. mentioned Simone Augustus, we mentioned it earlier, uh, you, you saw her play every game. What do you think? Man, it's it's kind of overdue, you know, and, and, and kudos to Coach Mulkey. That was one of the first things she said when she got here last year was we need we need Simone needs a statue. And I think eventually oh. Sylvia Fowles is gonna get one also. Um but you you gotta kinda spread these things out a little bit. You can't, right. you know, ask for too much all at once. Um so I think it, it is it is overdue without a doubt, and it's well deserved. Um you know, and you, you, you know, being in the Baton Rouge area, you knew who Simone Augustus was in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. And, That's right. you know, a lot of, a lot of issues on the cover for Sports Illustrated for kids, and the cover says, Is she the next Michael Jordan? That's a lot yeah. for a, a little kid to, uh, to live up to. But did, but did she ever? She shows up at LSU, scores well over 2,000 points, Final Fours, WNBA championships. Number is retired in the WNBA, and she won three gold medals for the Olympics. So she lived up to the hype, uh, without a doubt. And she's a local, and she helped transform LSU's women's program into a national uh, uh, contender. So I I think it's well-deserved. Couldn't go to a better person. She's just kind of quiet. She doesn't want it to be all about her. 
But, you know, when they put a statue of you up, it kind of is all about you a little bit. So hopefully (laughs) she'll come out of her shell a little bit. I think she's going to have a good time with it. Patrick, I'll leave you on this one. Um, you can tell I'm, I'm not a player anymore. I'm, I'm in the broadcasting world. Uh, LSU doesn't play a ranked opponent until February the 12th. And if LSU can take care of their business, when they go arrive uh, on February 12th to another city of Columbia, but this time in South Carolina, we could have number one versus number two or number three or number four. Uh, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, it, you know, and I think a nice little, little I don't want to say rivalry, but, but there's, you know, between the Kim Mulkey, there's the oh. Kim Mulkey camp, there's the Dawn Staley yes. camp, and the two people who support or the, the groups of people who support each one are kind of on different sides of the fence. I think, I think it's going to be going to be pretty spicy when we get there. No matter what the records are, if right. both are undefeated, that's going to add to it without a doubt. I'm I'm looking forward to it. We do have Tennessee between now and then. They're playing really well right now, but that's at home. So I'm hoping right. I'm hoping we can get to that. It'll be pretty epic if it would be an undefeated matchup in Columbia. That would be fun, but we got to take business in the other Columbia in Missouri tonight. Again, pregame show, 5.30, 6 o'clock tip. You can listen to it here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Save those pipes. Uh, we're less than three hours away from tip, so have a great call of the game as always, and good luck. All right, Jordy, appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. You got it, my friend. Patrick Wright, the voice of the LSU Lady Tigers, um, trying to get to 17 and 0. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back with much, much more still to come. The highly anticipated picks of the playoffs from the Schwab. Stay with us here on the Jordy Helper Show. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. We talked about, uh, welcome back, by the way. We talked about the Pels losing to the Boston Celtics last night. Well, the All-Star game is right around the corner, February 19th, in Salt Lake City. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. uh, The Pels are going to get somebody on it, um, probably because he's played in more games than anybody. Maybe C.J. McCullough. McCullum should be the one. But LeBron James is well on his way to catching Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on more than the NBA's career scoring list. Uh, The chosen ones on pace to be an all-star for the 19th time after the NBA said today he remains the overall leading vote-getter for the all-star game in Salt Lake City. Abdul-Jabbar is the only 19-time all-star in NBA history. LeBron and Kobe Bryant are 18 times time selections and James enters today just 423 points from passing Kareem as the NBA's career scoring leader. Wow. Um, Kind of amazing. Uh, If you look at who the starters would be today for the Western Conference, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Anthony Davis. God, come on, God, get him out of there. He doesn't deserve to be on there. He just doesn't. But anyway, that's the fans' votes, and LA's a big city, so you know what you know what's gonna happen. So you'd have James, Jokic, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, and Luka Doncic 
for the West. For the East, Kevin Durant leads all vote getters in the East. Um, he would be teamed up with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Jason Tatum, who just moved ahead of Philly's Joel Embiid. In the backcourt, it would be Kyrie Irving from Brooklyn. And boy, what a trade it was. Cleveland getting Donovan Mitchell from Utah. Uh, Mitchell has been sensational for Cleveland. So um, the reserves will be chosen by NBA coaches, and they will be revealed um, February the 2nd. So the all-star captains will draft their teams probably in the second week of February. So um, we shall see. I I would hope that C.J. McCollum makes it. Because, you know, Zion hadn't played enough, and certainly Brandon Ingram hasn't played enough as well. Uh, So we'll see. But the Pels are good, and they deserve to have um, a team, uh, a representative uh, in the All-Star game. And that'll be fun. Salt Lake City is not the best town to have an All-Star. There's not much to do there. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snow everywhere. Uh, So I don't know. I don't know, but they promise every team it goes and rotate. Everybody's going to end up getting one, and the team that builds the newest arena is guaranteed to get one. Uh, so there you go. Uh, again, Boston leads the East two games better than the Brooklyn Nets, two and a half games better than the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the East is top heavy. Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, Cleveland, they're all good teams. Those five are good teams, but the West – I mean, there's a lot. Uh, Denver, Memphis, the Pels, Sacramento's been a surprise team. They're 22 and 18. Dallas, uh, the Clippers are dangerous. Uh, Phoenix is 21 and 22. Golden State is 20 and 21, and they're the eighth seed right now. So the West is loaded. They keep beating each other up. Um, we got to keep our eyes on the Lakers. They're on the outside looking into the playoffs. They're 19 and 22 because uh, the Pels get their draft pick, right? They get their draft pick and we want the man we want the lakers to just absolutely flame out just get lebron his uh you know his scoring title um but after that shoot forget about it forget about it i want to get a little earlier to frank schwab because we got a lot to talk about uh in the nfl don't forget now that you scored an amazon alexa or google home smart speaker for christmas you can listen to the game southwest louisiana sports station just ask your alexa or google home to play the game southwest louisiana it's that easy do the smart thing have the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles with you at your office at your home everywhere you go let's take a quick time out here when we come back frank schwab all your playoff picks in the nfl can't wait when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the World Series champion Astros. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Oh, for those that follow the NFL, this is uh, Christmas in January because the NFL playoffs are upon us. We got a lot to talk about. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, so kind enough to join us. Uh, Frank, happy, happy uh, playoff time, big guy. How are you? Hey, good. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how excited I am for this weekend. I mean, we got a few good games, and then. Probably three games that aren't very good because of injuries and yeah. and all that. But I'm sure once Saturday hits, I'm going to be fired up because it's hard to beat playoff uh, NFL football. You talk about some injuries. I know you're talking about Lamar Jackson. Uh, what the heck is going on there? It just seems to be something under the surface that, that you know, Coach Harbaugh's not saying anything about it anymore. He's not talking about, oh, look, he's injured. This has nothing to do with the contract. He's not saying that. What's going on there? I, and I don't know if they know. I, I mean, I, this is such a weird situation. I hate to just it, – it's easy to connect those dots, right? Like he's taking a little longer to uh, yes. you know, uh, recover from this injury than first anticipated. He doesn't have a contract. That's been a big story. But I hate to put that and, and just say that's absolutely it because that's kind of disrespectful to Lamar, too, to just say, oh, he could play, but he doesn't want to play in this playoff game. But, well, that, that might not be true. I mean, that's a – to, to say that about a competitor is pretty damning. I mean, I, I think, you know, regardless of what the Ravens should have done with the contract, you know, this is a lot for his future. I, I would understand it, I guess, but if for a quarterback to not play in a playoff game uh, because he's worried about his future contract would be a bit much. And I, so I don't, I don't necessarily want to. Obviously, we can all, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, speculate about that, but I don't necessarily want to assume it because I think at some point Lamar's going to talk and we're going to figure out you know, what happened with this whole situation. But yeah, it, it's a strange one for sure. And it kind of stinks because it would have been awesome to see Lamar Jackson and the Ravens at full strength against this Bengals team. Before we get to the games, um, is it safe to say you think that Tom Brady's going to play his last uh, game or games for Tampa Bay? For Tampa Bay, yes. I just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess we could get to a point where we're like, uh, you know, nothing else made sense, and he comes back and they make cha- major changes. The setup is still pretty good in Tampa Bay for, for Brady. I mean, they still do have a lot of talent, but it just seems like it's either retirement or something else. I honestly think it's going to be retirement. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe we, you know, maybe... Tom just was like, whatever. Like, <laughs> I came back at 45. I'm just going to come back at 46 and, and play until I can't anymore because he's still a competent quarterback. He, I don't. I think I think he did take a step back this year, but he was still yeah. perfectly reasonable. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah, you're right. I think I'm, I, if we're if we're kind of ranking what the possibilities are, I think playing somewhere else in retirement is probably neck and neck, and then playing for Tampa Bay is probably a distant third. Who retires first, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Right, that's that's really interesting. I think it's Brady. I think I'm just used to uh, until Aaron Rodgers actually steps away or actually gets traded or something like that. I'm just gonna kind of tune out this offseason drama because we're gonna do this every year, right? Like yes. it just seems like, and it's so ironic that he was kind of jerked around by the the Brett Favre stuff, right? Like he this constant, like, oh, is he going to? Is he not? Is he going to? Is he not? And now he's doing the same thing. It's, I just, I just kind of got tired of it. Like, okay, whatever. If, if, if you want to retire, let us know. But I'm not gonna, you know, be on the edge of my seat for three months waiting to hear what you decide. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Frank Schwab, last one before we get to the games. Of all the vac- head coaching vacancies that are out there, Sean Payton is is out there as well. What's the most what, What's the most um, parallel for him? In other words, where where do you think he goes if he does go anywhere? Yeah, I, I, it's tough because I don't think any of these openings are attractive. It's funny, like, Sean Payton's probably like, oh, okay, I'll take a year off, I'll come back, get in the right spot, whatever. He's got to look, take a look at these. I think there's five openings. He's got to take a look and say, none of these really are that good. Houston's at absolute dead end. Uh, mm-hmm. Carolina's in the division. I, I can't imagine New Orleans Saints are ever going to agree to you know, ship Sean Payton over to Carolina. Denver, maybe, uh, but they've obviously got their questions. I mean, unless you totally think that that Russell Wilson's going to be Russell Wilson from here on out. The last two games he was better, for sure. Arizona's got an injured $230 million quarterback. I'm not sure that's the one you want. So I just think there's a lot of, just a lot of questions about all of these openings. And I'm not sure, if I'm a Sean Payton, I'm not... I, it just depends how badly he wants to get back in right now or if he's willing to be patient and wait another year. If Tom Brady goes 8-0 all-time against the Dallas Cowboys, does Jerry Jones keep Coach McCarthy? Or does he say, I've always wanted Sean Payton. See you, Coach Mack. Come on, Sean. He'd take that gig. Uh, I'd be – look, here's the thing about that. This is Jerry Jones' last chance because – Let's assume that Sean Payton takes some job, right, like at Denver. Well, right. you can't figure that that's going to be less than five years, right? Like, so I think that Jerry Jones has to have a, a kind of come-to-Jesus moment of, here's kind of this coach he's wanted forever, and yeah. here's his last shot. Like, if you really yes. want him, all right, you've got to make a move right now. You've got to do that's this right. thing. I don't know. I, money with you. I do can't, believe him. He, he is, for all the things we say about Jerry. He's very loyal to his coaches, almost too much. I mean, he's not a Daniel Snyder who's just trying to change coaches every year. He he sticks by these guys. So when he says, like, no, Mike McCarthy is going to be my coach, I kind of believe it. Although, man, if they lose to this terrible Buccaneers team, I would there will be a lot of calls for McCarthy's job. I'm with you. All right, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Let's get to the fun part. You mentioned three good ones, three not-so-good ones. Okay, uh, Seattle at San Francisco. Is that on the good side or the not side? Because the Niners are favored by 10. Yeah, I I was just talking about this on our Yahoo podcast, that if you would have said at midseason that there's going to be a playoff team that's starting a third-string rookie quarterback (laughs) who is the last pick of the seventh round, you said, how much money can I get on the team they're playing against? And yet, the San Francisco 49ers are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. This Brock Purdy thing is crazy. Like, I, the, the scope of this is, it's like Brady times two. Like, if, if they can uh, go through, the, if they can win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, it would be one of the most unbelievable stories we've seen in the NFL. No rookie, I think we've talked about it. No rookie has ever started a quarterback in a Super Bowl. No third stringer has ever started a quarterback in a Super Bowl. And he's trying to check both of these boxes. So, I, crazy. I, I assume 49ers just absolutely roll them because their defense is so good, and it shut down the Seahawks twice already. I don't think right. the Seahawks can move the ball against them. I just don't. I think, I think the 49ers, uh, if they score 20 points, I think they cover the spread just because I, I can't really see how Seattle scores that often. 
I, I'm with you. Uh, it's not like Purdy has to do that much. Just get get it to McCaffrey. Get it to Debo Samuel. Quick, get it to Kittle. Quick, get it out of your hands. Don't yep. get sacked. If not, just throw the thing away because our defenses be here. I'm with you. I, I love me some 49ers. All right. Uh, so I guess that game's on the bad side. Chargers <laughs> at Jacksonville. That's the Saturday night game on NBC. Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, uh, both playing in their first playoff game. I don't know if that matters or not. Um, they're both pretty good, but what do you think? I love this game. Great game. Fun game. Because of two young quarterbacks, two yeah. exciting teams. Uh, they're not big market. I mean, I guess Los Angeles is a big market, but they're not a ton of Chargers fans. I, I really yeah. like the Jaguars, though, in this game. I think Jaguars have played really well over the last half of the season. I think they've won 6-7. of seven. Only loss yeah. came at Detroit, which is really understandable at this point. And I think the Jaguars getting in a, basically a playoff game last week. We know the game against Titans last week was the AFC South Championship. It had a playoff atmosphere. I think getting that experience behind them is huge. I, I really do. Now they can, they've been there. They've kind of felt what the playoff pressure is like. They can go play a little looser. I don't trust this Chargers team. I hated that they played their starters in Week 18. Hated that Mike Williams got hurt and Joey Bosa got dinged up. And I don't know yeah. if these guys are going to be 100. percent I, I just think it was stupid by Brandon Staley to play his starters last week when they had nothing to play for. Wow. I, I like the Jaguars a lot. I think they're a better team. I, I really do. And, and the fact that they're underdogs really surprised me. Point and a half underdog. I just want them to win because I'm I'm not a fan of Urban Meyer and what he did as a, as a NFL coach. Just ugh, ugh. I'm so so. Come on, Jacksonville. Come on, Trevor Lawrence. Who's got the better defense out of those two? Probably the Chargers, but it's still an exploitable defense. I think, especially against a run. And I think Travis Etienne has a pretty big game here. All right, uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. I know this is on the on the bad side. It's the first game on Sunday. Uh, no Tua, no Teddy, probably starting a third-string quarterback, making his third start, having to go from the warmth of my – I'm watching them practice in Miami in short sleeves and all. They get ready to head to Buffalo. I don't – it's going to – you know it's going to be cold. Um, this, has, this has dog with fleas written all over it. Buffalo's just so much better, and, and Miami's coming in – talk to me it's a 13 point spread already yeah and I, I can't see Miami winning now whether they can cover the 13 I don't know I think it's going to be really hard for them to generate points we might see Buffalo get over on them I guess I'd take Miami if I had to pick one side or the other but it's pretty rare to have a 13 point underdog in a playoff game yeah. only 23 times ever in the Super Bowl era have we had a 13 point underdog or more and only two of them have won straight up. The Jets in Super Bowl three, the Patriots when they beat the Rams in that Super Bowl 2000, uh, 2000, and the 2001 season. Um, and the, even against the spread, they're only 9 and 14, these big underdogs. So there's a reason if you get to this point in the playoffs, if you happen to be a 13 point or more underdog, there's probably a reason for it. And Miami's reason is their quarterback. Like, it's just, yeah. man, it's going to be, it's such a struggle for them on offense with Skylar Thompson. Nothing against the kid. He's done no. his best he can, but it's just, it's hard. I can't, I can't imagine Miami wins. I just can't. And Buffalo, got a lot of emotion going, DeMar Hamlin stuff. They're a really, really good football team. It, the only question is if they can be, beat them by more than 13. I'll take Miami, but not with much confidence. Okay. 
Um, we've done ha- gone through halfway, and all the home teams are Frank's picks. I've got to believe there's a road team that's going to do something and win a game, maybe two. I don't know. We'll see. Is this one? Um, I think this is a has a lot of uh, fun in it. Uh, the Giants are at Minnesota. Um, nobody's ever believed in 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 the Vikings to go far. Um, Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson. Uh, they took a, it took a sixty. One yard field goal by Greg Joseph. Uh, what these two teams played on Christmas Eve for the Vikings to win it. Do you believe in the Giants going on the road and beating the Vikings this weekend? I do, I do, and I, I kind of hate that because I think Vikings uh, fans, especially, have been subjected to this whole everybody telling them every week that their team stinks, even though they're 13-4. They don't stink. Yeah. They're just not as good as their record. Like I, I don't think there's a bad football team. There's something you said about the ability to win close games, and they do it constantly. But yeah. uh, if you look back at that first meeting, the Giants really outplayed them. They outgained them pretty significantly. Yeah. They had two turnovers and a block punt, and that was really a difference in the game. You can't just depend on that every week. I think Giants win. I do. I think that Daniel Jones, who's been playing really good football, Boy, he, really he has, has a good game. Yeah, and I, he has a good game. I think Saquon plays well. I think maybe that the, the blitzes that the Giants love, maybe that gets the Kirk Cousins a little bit. I like the Giants here, but, again, I don't. I, I almost feel guilty picking the Giants because I'm not one of these people that just likes to dunk on the Vikings every week and say, you're not really good. You know, the fans have heard that. They know they're not as bad as everybody makes them out to be. But, yet, I think Giants are really uh, they're in line for an upset here. Vikings don't have that defense like they used to have. Giants gained 448 yards offensively last time. I think this is going to be a really close one. Um, I I, I think the Giants are the team that gets the win on the road. We talked about Baltimore. This is the Sunday night game. They've got to go play against against Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Mixon, and that company. Who's going to start a quarterback for the Ravens? Um, Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Boy, I just like the fact that since he's been there done that they're at home um what do you think of a team that now it started off at like six and a half it's jumped up to what i last i saw was like nine and a half maybe i'm wrong here i don't know uh yeah about i think it's eight and a half uh, last i checked um and it doesn't even look like tyler huntley's gonna play he's got a shoulder issue he has not thrown you know we get a the media gets a a small availability first 15 minutes of practice the right. Ravens media has not seen Tyler Huntley throw one pass in the early part of practice, which leads me to believe he's not going to be able to go. Undrafted rookie Anthony Brown starts at quarterback, but I, I'm still going to say the Ravens keep this close. I don't know if they can win, but I just have the utmost respect for John Harbaugh. I think he's a heck of a football coach. I think he's one of the top five coaches in the NFL. And they just figure out ways to make things close. To, they know how they got to win this game, and it's by ugling it up, low scoring, run the ball a lot, but play good defense, which they have against the Bengals twice. They've really played good defense against the Cincinnati offense. So I think the Ravens, it's not going to be a pretty game, but it's, I think it's going to be a competitive one, more competitive than people think. I think that somehow, some way, Anthony Brown and kind of that terrible offense it just kind of does just enough to make it somewhat interesting, and, and it ends up being a, a fairly at least competitive playoff game. Probably <laughs> not entertaining, but, but competitive at least. Do you put any? I mean, they just played last weekend, and here they go playing again. Yeah. Is that an advantage to anybody, or no advantage at all? I don't. Uh, mm, that's interesting. I, I always think it's a team that 
loses that has the advantage because the winning team doesn't make adjustments. You just won. Why would you change anything? Whereas the losing team goes back, they adjust, they come back, especially with a good coaching staff like that. And the Ravens did not play badly in that game. Like I know that you know the Bengals got a, a big lead and they kind of let their foot off the gas, but they didn't get up to 300 yards offense. I think the Ravens actually outgamed them, so they I think they got some confidence going in the second half there. Um, I, I think that you know it was a much more competitive game than than uh, on the surface. It, the Ravens really battled them pretty hard in the second half. Now whether that was the Bengals kind of saying, whatever, we got this game one. We don't really need to put any more effort out there. That could be. It very well could be. But I do think the Ravens playing pretty well in that game. They can go to the tape and say, we did these things defensively that we can repeat. Let's let's mm-hmm. go back there, adjust this, adjust that, and, and let's go try to take our shot in an upset. Let's see what happens. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. <laughs> okay, Monday night, um, boy, Dallas looked awful against the Commanders. Tampa Bay's not playing well. But all the pressure in the universe is on Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, and the Dallas Cowboys. And there's Tom Brady sitting. He's 7-0 all-time against Dallas. Um, They're at home. Tell me about this game. I mean, pressure, you know, it does two things. It either produces diamonds or it bursts pipes. And we're going to find out about the Cowboys and so many, so many repercussions and ramifications from this game, man, a lot of pressure on Dallas. Uh, There is, but I love the Cowboys in this game. I just think there's the gap between these teams is, Humongous. The, the Buccaneers mm-hmm. were not a good football team this year. Nope. They finished eight and nine. And they probably deserve to finish about five and eleven. Uh, think about all the games they pulled out of the fire with a last-minute right. drive by Tom Brady after they got mm-hmm. outplayed for fifty-eight minutes. I, it's just this was not a good football team. They almost lost to Trace McSorley's Arizona Cardinals. I, I, how am I supposed to pick them to win a <laughs> playoff game? Whereas Dallas is what? Look, they, they were terrible last week. I'm not saying they're making excuses for them, but. It was a game they knew they knew the Eagles were not going to lose to the Giants. They knew they weren't going to win the NFC East. They just kind of sleepwalked through that game. Their starters probably shouldn't even have been playing. They played terribly, yes. But before that, they'd won six or seven games. I mean, this isn't a team that's just the Seattle Seahawks, you know, losing every week down the stretch and somehow getting in the playoffs. This team that had played really well. I think everybody's overreacting to the Commanders game. And I think the Cowboys come out refocused. I think Dak plays well. I think they win this game fairly easily. I, I just the Buccaneers are a bad football team. They're they bad. You guys, NFC South Country has seen this all year. The Buccaneers yeah. just were trying to give that division away the entire season. Nobody would take it. Now they find themselves in the playoffs. I'm supposed to believe that all of a sudden they're going to come alive. I don't buy that at all. I think the I think the Cowboys roll them in this game. Okay, very good. Um, a lot of it. It would be interesting if it was a close game. It, into the middle of the fourth quarter, and then you're looking at McCarthy, yeah, and you're looking at Brady. Who you picking when that happens? If if it gets to that point, then who you picking? Yeah, and I mean, I think yes, I think at that point, if you're in the mid fourth quarter and it's tied, or the Cowboys are behind a little bit, I think the pressure would just ramp up on them so much and in yeah. that in that case Brady then kind of becomes the X factor. He's been in that situation so many times. Many He's so times. good it's still in that situation. Yeah, I agree with you. If they're, if they're in the fourth quarter, uh, I think that uh, you know, I, I think t- the, the then it shifts to Tampa Bay if they're leading or uh, even tied or even close. And I'll tell you what, it, yeah, if, if Dallas loses this game, I think you got to fire McCarthy. I, I just yeah. I mean 
Uh, yes. How could you lose this game? Uh, after the season you've had to get, to lose to an eight and nine Buccaneers team that shouldn't even be eight and nine, I think that would be a pretty big impetus for Jerry Jones to make a change. Well, in in just my evaluation of talking with you, you you got more excited about the Chargers and the Jaguars than any other game. Is that your top pick of the of the weekend? I think that and the Giants game is going to be really uh, those two games. I, I like uh, they're flawed teams. I get that, but yeah. I think that those have the the potential to be the two best games we get. But that's the beauty of the playoffs. You just you just don't know. You just you just these games. Come, you know, these they're playoff teams for a reason. Whether we want to talk bad about the Seahawks or Giants or whoever, they're so capable in the playoffs. And yeah, but I do think I think Jaguars and Chargers are going to be a great game. I was surprised they put this on in primetime. I really was. I, neither of these teams is a huge eye-popping like ratings grab, but I think the chance to put those two quarterbacks on in primetime was huge yes, for them. Indeed. And then Giants-Vikings, yeah. we saw that game a few weeks ago, and it was great, and I think they're going to repeat that. I'm with. I don't anticipate a Georgia TCU type of game in any of these playoff games. No, even no. even uh, the Bills in Miami. I just that doesn't happen in the NFL, does it? No. No, no, very, very. I mean, it does. I mean, we saw like what was it, sixty-two to seven, my Dan Marino's last game when they lost to the Jaguars. It happens here and there, but yeah, usually you're gonna. That's what it kind of threw me off that we have these kind of three games with huge spreads because you just don't see that a lot in playoff time. These teams are usually pretty tight, pretty competitive. I think the playoffs really are going to start cranking up next week. I, look, there's about six teams that are going to Super Bowl, maybe seven if you're really stretching it. I think all of them are going to advance next weekend if they're not already have the bye. And then we're going to start to get some really, really great matchups and games. Who's your number one overall NFL team? Who do you think is the, the team that has the best chance to win it all? I think I still believe in the Eagles. And it's just it, very simply, they were 14 and one with their quarterback. Uh, when Jalen Hurts played, they were just about unbeatable this year. They could have even beat the Commanders in the one game they lost if well for <laughs> a really, really bad face mask penalty. Um, so I think if Hurts is healthy, and that's a key, I don't, we don't know. We, he was okay last week, but not great. I think that he'll benefit from this week off with that shoulder. But if yeah. he's close to 100%, I think the Eagles are still the best team. I, I, there's flaws. They're not unbeatable by any means. But I think that yeah, if I had to pick one, hey, the, the team that went 14-1 when Jalen Hurts was in the lineup is a pretty good okay. place to start. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Enjoy Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, my friend. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. You're the best. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Back to wrap up this uh, Thursday edition of the Jordy Helper Show after this time out on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Tigers and the World Series champion Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back to wrap things up on this Thursday, uh, January 12th. Special thanks to our guests, Matthew Bruni, Walker Howard hitting the transfer portal, Ralph Marlborough. Sean Payton, where's he going? Is he going? We'll see. Patrick Wright, voice of LSU women's basketball, Lady Tigers, uh, the Tigers taking on Missouri, pregame 5.30, call of the game 6 o'clock right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. And then Frank Schwab with his picks of the wild card weekend of uh, 
six NFL playoff games. So I uh, can't wait to watch that. If today is your birthday, January 12th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with uh, the radio shock jock. Uh, Howard Stern is 69 years old today and uh, a guy with uh, more money than, um, than he can spend. The billionaire founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. Is he going to buy a football team or a basketball team or something, right? What do you, what do, you do with all that? Do something. Um, tomorrow we will um, – it's a football – it's a Friday where the regular crowd will shuffle in. Larry Holder, George Faust, uh, George, James, and I will make our NFL picks, some college basketball picks, an NBA pick or two. We'll have some fun with that. So it'll be a fun day, I promise you. So thanks for tuning in today and whatever, whatever form or fashion that you did. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. We greatly appreciate you. And James, job well done as always. So until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helperks. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything, everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another uh, and be happy. We'll see you tomorrow. So long, everybody.